The following 50th episode of True Stories Based on Fiction will contain, more than likely, some coarse language. Although we have been getting pretty good lately. We do want to thank all our listeners for sticking with us for 50 episodes. You are the ones that keep us coming back. I say that to all 23 of you that listened to the last episode. Keep listening, keep downloading, and we'll keep bringing you content. I just, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt your disclaimer, but I just want to throw in. We don't know about the other platforms that the show is available on. If you search our show, like you can on the Googles, um, there's other platforms that aren't being recorded through SoundCloud, I don't think. Hmm. So it could be thousands of them out there. Well, I hope you enjoy this. But again, thank you guys for listening, and enjoy the following episode. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You've got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have built this city. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've come to. True stories based on fiction. Brightest day, blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of True Stories Based on Fiction. I am one of your hosts, Brian, and with me as always is Evan, the third host. I guess you'll notice we are still missing uh, a certain member of the core group. Yes. Hey, we promised he'd be on today's episode. He might. He might not. I didn't promise so. I think we alluded. I, I, I don't remember any promises. So, retract that Brian's last statement. There were no promises made. Yeah, rewind that. Yeah. Erase it from your minds like men in black. Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. My Will Smith? Yes. Fine. And I'm Josh Brolin. Okay. The Josh Brolin, Tommy Lee Jones? <laughs> <laughs> All right. My 50th episode. We reached a milestone. Milestone. Uh, anything you have to say about 50 episodes, then? Um... I just want to say thank you for all of our listeners. I mean, honestly, I'm saying thank you, but I think I would still do this show if there weren't any listeners. Uh, I guess I just thank you and Randy for and everyone involved in our show, the the, the, the co-hosts we have, I mean, the special guest hosts we have, like Ashley, Double D, Chad, and everyone, um, for, for helping us out and making to this 50 year milestone, not year episode. <laughs> Seems like 50 years. Yeah. In the best way possible. With, well, some of the breaks that we take. Yeah, hiatus. Hashtag uh, hiatus. It has been a little bit since we recorded, though. Yes. Anything new that's been going on? Um, I turned 31, I believe, since the last time that we recorded. Um, other than that, I think it's just been the same old shit. How's Big 31 treating you? It's definitely hitting me, man. Uh, I feel like my metabolism is slowing down some. I, I feel older, slower. Bro, when I turned thirty, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. It was like a night or like a switch, switch. in the light. But I never would have to wake up in the middle of the night, and I had to start waking up and pissing in the middle of the night. Oh well, see, I I've been that for years. So I think I'm diabetic. My friend to go to the doctor. I pee like seventeen times a night anyway. 
Oh, <laughs> I got a piss right now. <laughs> um, and it, and it's Mountain Dew colored. Yeah, yeah. Cold red. Oh. <laughs> Live wire. <laughs> and it looks like Nickelodeon Gat coming out. Same, same consistency too. Ooh. <laughs> um. That's gonna be a little bit of changes with us. Changes. Yes. Oh, that's a different change song though. Oh, oh yeah. As many of our listeners know, Evan, Randy, and myself all work together. Did. Yeah. Operative term did. Um. Still work for the same company, although recently I have been transferred to a new location. My life sucks. <laughs> I think that all of our lives suck if you're not being in the same location. Oh, I miss it. That we all shared. Yeah. It seems like just yesterday we were in the inventory room thinking changes about Tupac and Prince line by line. <laughs> or just talking about creating this podcast. Yes. Yeah. It started at work mm-hmm. during workout, during billable working hours. Yeah. Um, but no, here we are, 50 episodes later. Was it two years? No, it's been over two years, hasn't it? It's been three calendar years that we've recorded. We recorded 15, we recorded 16, and this is 17. When? It was, what, April? Yes, because I, I want to say it was our first episode. Yep, because we had, like, the uh, Comic-Con special, and that was, like, right well, we as... Re- we recorded our first episode, then... It, it was, was like a month or it so. It could have been between. March, late March, early April that we recorded, and then I think it came out the day prior to Comic Con, uh, Motor City Comic Con. Cool thing is, I can check this. The power of technology. Feels like we're stalling on episode fifty. Stalling what way? All right, episode one was May sixteenth, two thousand. Yeah, I was right there. So it's a day uh, before with the Comic Con because uh. Cause like the 16th was Friday, and then we went to the 17th. So we're almost two and a half, full, a full two and a half years. Yes, in. but we're still three calendar years. We've recorded yeah. in three calendar years. Yes, three anniversary. Mm. 50, 50 episodes of three calendar years. Well, we committed to a. Well, we had a good run going. Then we, got, then we hit a little snag. Mm-hmm. Then we came back strong, pretty strong, yeah. Weekly, almost. I think it was. If okay. you, you gave a you gave a commitment, I did, and we have kept to that commitment. So far, we've people we've may not agree with it, but we have kept to the commitment. Yes, we have. And then, yeah, because my only promise was every thirty days, and so far we have done that. Uh, as we record this, I have about two days to put this out. Technically, three. Because I had the full day of the 30th day to put one out. Yeah. So I have my promise. And then, if we would have. Um, Kept from the weekly episode, the two weeks, I think we wouldn't run on track then. But because we care about our audience, all thousands of you so much, we actually did put some episodes out on a weekly basis. I think maybe two or three, right? Two two or three instances, rather, didn't we put out? uh, Maybe two instances we put out episodes weekly. And apparently, if you go back, you did get two episodes 49s. True. Very true. Took you a little bit to see that one, Mm -hmm. didn't it? <laughs> you son of a bitch! Um, street. That's what I want to talk about. Breaking my goddamn street. How do you break my studio? I closed the studio down. I, I got my ways. Got in. 
You know how much long it took me to figure out how to muster up this thing to <laughs> get it going? Well, <laughs> easy. Um, I, I had to prove. Big point. You had to be a cock blocker. Mm. You blocked my cock for being the only one on every episode. So, I'll never forgive you for it. We will give the other reason for why episode 50 did take a little bit. Well, besides the fact we're all busy, and yeah. it's not like we work together in the same... Not only do we not work together in the same store, we don't work in the same town. Yeah. Evan and myself live in different towns. Yep. Evan and myself work in different towns, Man. and I don't even work in the same town that I live in. So that's three different towns. And, and then for Brian Beard, a little inside baseball, he, he drove... Past the town he lives in to get to where I live, then he has to drive back to his town. So he drove, he's Trifecta. driven through three cities today. Just to get this out Just for you guys. Just to get this out for you. Apparently, that's what I'm going to have to do going forward to get this out for you guys. Yeah, because it's still his most convenient way to do it. Yeah. Um, but there is another reason why we went. We did. We wanted to get something special out for our 50th episode. Something you know? we've never done before. Um, ever since we had our hiatus and came back, we uh, changed the format a, a little. We have. What you say, themed episodes? Yeah, we have themed episodes. Um, we have our B&E Music Factory episodes where it's predominantly music-based, where we pick one. You guys got two episodes of that. Since you've been back, you've got two um, Correct. Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake yep. with a little half segue to JT, JT Money. Money. Speaking of which, if you're listening to the 50th episode and want to go back, uh, I, we left subtle hints in the last episode, but there is an Easter egg hit it inside the episode, so play it to the very end. Even if there's silence, like a GZ album, listen to the it it changes to the next show or it goes off completely. So there's almost like an Easter but then there's another Easter egg. Yes. So yes, listen to that one from uh, cover to cover as I say it, if if it were a book. Huh. Because you will be rewarded with entertainment. Have you ever seen an Easter egg of an Easter egg? Yes. Have you? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think I saw a movie that had like a post credit scene, which was Easter egg. Oh, yeah, and then it had like. It. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Ever in music, though? No. Um, we are an audio entertainment. Because I think that you could regard uh, the Blueprint 1 as a, as a Easter egg and an Easter egg because he had two tracks when he came back home. Did he? He had like the one, Breathe Easy. Then he had Girls with Girls remix. So you you can argue that would be uh, Easter egg and Easter egg. Jay Z, are we the first podcast that we know of? That, yeah, we are actually the first podcast that we know of that um that has ever had an Easter egg with an Easter egg. Good. Um, but no, we have our B and E Music Factory episodes we've been bringing, mm-hmm. and uh, Evan and myself have been toying around. Uh, as again, you have noticed the past seven eight episodes we've been missing core member of the group. Uh, still. Holding out hope he will be joining us back. Uh, just personal things got in the way. Extended hiatus. Yeah. Uh, no real emergency. He wants to get back into it. Um, but just an extended hiatus. Yeah. So we've been toying around. What's some format? What do we want to talk about? You know, we well also um, you're forgetting that we do also have Eddie Murphy's Law, which you oh. got the first episode of. Yeah, we did. So you got an episode of Eddie Murphy's Law. You got two episodes of Beanie Music Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got an episode of whatever Dave and I are, are going to call our shows together, mm-hmm. which is probably going to come back pretty soon. Uh, but then, I mean, Evan and myself share a love of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, something that really Randy's not into. I would say he he's he's with the culture. 
I mean, like I, you could say Argo Ashley because she likes Marvel movies, also with the culture, but they they aren't like that. But when you get an actual book books and yeah, stuff, right? I mean, if you were to put it percent wise, let's say it's Evans forty nine, I'm forty nine. Randy would win two. Yes. Mm-hmm. So because Randy did own some comic books. Yeah. He's got like a Death of Superman. Yeah. Then he has to this Wizard thing. Edition. <laughs> um. So no, they just there's not much that he can really bring to the table on that one. Um. So we've been toying around. What, what's a good comic book based episode that we can do for our fans? Right. And then there's a lot of characters, especially from the '90s. I would say growing up that you know can we have here. Yeah, we have a fondness for. So we're like, all right, well maybe we can start doing episodes where we talk about you know the comic book characters we love. So, kind of similar to our B and E music factories, but and also similar to the first episode that we recorded and. Evan Studio, whatever the fuck. EDJ Studios Underground. Underground, yeah. yeah. Uh, back when we did the comic book and cooking show that, w- that actually went over pretty well. Yeah. Um, that was the genesis of, of this. Yeah. Of but we still want to add a little flair to you guys. A little panache. So, um, you know, we've been reaching out, reaching out, and we actually got for our first ever interview for the podcast. Which you may have already heard at this point. We may be hearing it in a few months. We don't know yet. It depends on however the uh, the audio guy puts it all together. We don't know. Yeah. We're kind of uh, constructing this episode a little unorthodox. Yep. Uh, but a little tidbit. This actually should have been our second interview. Remember, yes. we, we almost had... We Ten actually had a third. Did you say yours? And I'll say mine. All right. So it was going on two years ago next month. Yes. Yeah. Um, so almost two years, not to be almost two years a day, but two years next month. Um, as a joke, uh, there was a uh, porn star, Nikki Delano, that yes. was in our both Evan and Maya's hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were at uh, sometimes co host Double D's wedding. Mm hmm. And as a joke, we decided to tweet her just to see, you know, yeah. hey. You decided that was all you, bro. It was genius. Yeah. Hey, you know, we're in town. We'd love to interview you for our podcast. And lo and behold, it was minutes later. Minutes later. She responded back uh, saying she would love to. And, you know, honestly, we, we had it kind of set up. But at the time, it just we didn't really know how it would fit into our format of the show. Yeah. Um, and it, we've always said if we're going to do interviews, we want to do them right. We didn't have really material plan because it kind of took us by surprise so Nikki if you're listening to us it's not that we never did want to do the interview we would have loved to and let's also be honest with, with, with the audience as well that was more I think that we could have winged that, that interview with her and made it decent it was mainly an issue with the the logistics of getting her on the show with the time difference because she was in like mountain time. time oh, yeah, she wants to record like at three in the morning. Yeah, so it was show. like eight in the morning her time. She only had seventeen minutes. Was I understand she was busy? We weren't blaming her. We're just saying that it was more. It was, in my opinion, it was more of a logistical issue than the actual finding way to map her on. Because mm-hmm. that was the biggest issue. Cause, yeah, because because we were corresponding with, with her rep and everything. Remember? Yeah. And we had a good correspondence. She was definitely down to do it. The main issue was finding author, and then that's when we were recording solely at the at the real studio, uh, which is RBS Studios International, and trying to um, configure the three of us working at the same location, all being off at the same time, where it would work to we could all meet there, and where it meets her time as well was virtually well, it wasn't virtually possible. It wasn't possible. Yeah. 
Who's our second hero? The second one was Will Signey, the artist from Spider-Man 2099 and now currently Scarlet Spider. He said yes on numerous occasions. And I don't want to just drop names and, 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 and be petty and throw shade, as the kids say. But he said yes to me more than once. Then I said, okay, so we need you free. Never got back to it. Hmm. Like two or three times. Well, I still like your art, but I'm just saying I think he, he could have said no. Will Signey was kind of like that girl you ask out, then she'll say yeses. So you start pestering her and then like sort of stand you up. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially what Will Signey is. I feel bad calling him out like that when, when when we could potentially have an artist on the show pretty soon. But I doubt he, I doubt that he even knows a Will Signey. He's all the way in like uh, fucking Ireland or some shit. Yeah, Will Signey. Hey, we're not we're not downplaying the guy either. I mean, right. you're a fan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you don't want to do the show, you don't want to show. I have every issue of, of Spider-Man 29. 2099. Drew. 20, yeah, Spider-Man 2099. I did Drew, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving over to Scarlet Spider, too. Um, but no, this will be a kind of a comic-based episode. We do have our first interview, and uh, yep. you know, this is a co-creator of a character that at least, you know, hits home for me, you know, very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for a comic franchise that I've been following for years. Decades uh, at this point. Decades. Um, the, co- the creator that we're going to be talking to is actually the one that got me into it. The character's been around for dec- decades. I mean, yeah, long, before, point, long yeah. before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this was the person... The way that he drew this character, the voice he gave this character was mm-hmm. something unique that really stood out to me and as a child, and I loved and got me into this character, and has since kind of morphed on um, with the franchise, mm-hmm. but is still around to this day. You can argue it hasn't been the same since this character left the character, since just this creator rather left the character. Yeah, um, yeah, he's not the same. He's not the same character I want. That's um, not my character. I know we haven't said it yet, but do you don't, do you want to say anything as far as a kind of a segue into it or? Um. So when I and now I say this at the offset too. If we actually when we do the interview, if we say some of the same things, but I, I also apologize for that. But I think it'd be kind of cool to be telling about how, how we also discovered his artwork. But um, I, as a kid, as Brian knows, and if you listen to the episode, you listen to the show. On 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 uh semi normal base you know too. I was more of a Marvel kid. Brian was a DC kid. My brother also a Marvel kid. He he liked two characters, Ring Lantern and Batman. Um, so he, he got good taste. <laughs> so he so back when we were kids, Kmart used to have like like four packs of comics you could buy in the toy aisle, and then some of those four packs of comics were a Green Lantern that this guy drew. So he would read the Green Lantern, and then and then Kyle Rayner became one of his favorite characters as a kid, and, so, and one of his favorite characters to this day. Um, so I would read his books; he he'd read mine, and I would read his Kyle Rayner books. Now, I I was at that point a Marvel guy. I was Marvel, Batman, and Robin, like the actual the uh, Robin book. But I would always thump through those books of Kyle Rayner and, and be amazed at how beautiful the artwork was. So. Um, you know, if you haven't guessed it by now, our guest that we're going to have on the podcast tonight is the one, the only, luminary, legendary, Daryl Banks. So, you know, we're going to take a pause right here as we kind of get right into the interview for you guys. So, again, 
Thank you guys. Thank every one of you listening out there for giving us 50 episodes, letting us come in, um, hopefully give you some sort of uh, oral enjoyment. I I was going to say something dirty, but I want to keep it somewhat clean. I just said oral enjoyment. I was going to say something a lot worse than that. Hey, we gave the disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. We did. But being 50 and also, I'm not sure what what Daryl's views are. I don't want to say anything that could offend him. I don't want want my name to be on this episode. Oh, but... um, I also want to thank uh, the EMA podcast for giving me a lot of advice in regards to how to record this upcoming interview because this is the first time that I had to, as the actual producer of the show, record an record a, a interview with someone who, who wasn't on the site. So um, EMA, I'm not sure who runs the Twitter account, but we had a long correspondence like the last five days or so. So I don't think the entire show. And, and, and especially like the person or, or persons who were answering my questions about the technical aspect of recording interviews. Thank you so much, guys. I definitely appreciate that. Hashtag Potter family. <laughs> so hope you guys liked the interview. I uh, will probably be coming back r- right after the interview. Uh, wrap this episode up for everyone. But again, thank you guys for 50 episodes. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I hope this is the first of many interviews right. that we can give for this. Because we've got plans. Yeah. Um, and we got plenty of ideas going as we reach, as we head for our next milestone, episode 100. Mm-hmm. All right. So, guys, enjoy our interview with comics legend Daryl Banks. Daryl Banks. Actually, uh-huh. this is this is my only, believe it or not, this is only my third Skype. And <laughs> it, it's funny, my last one I did about, uh, about two, three weeks ago. I didn't even know how to hang up. <laughs> they're thick as, it's like is he still there and I'm like yeah I don't know how to do that <laughs> um, let, let me see if I can is it let's see here how about now it sounds the same for sounds us sounds perfect okay yeah now it's on speaker but should should it get any uh, feedback or uh, I don't know if it gets noisy here in my home with, uh, with my family I'll, I'll right. switch back to <laughs> To classic mode. All right. Uh, yeah. If, if there's any feedback, we'll definitely let you know, and then we can adjust as needed. Okay. Yep. So uh, this is Evan, and I'm the guy that you've been uh, corresponding with primarily. Then I have Brian here as well. Hello, Daryl. Okay. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Not too bad. I want to thank you very much for uh, doing this interview with us. Oh, my pleasure. Now, I, I met you both at a show, or where? Yes. where, where... Uh, yeah, you met us at the. Uh... Motor City Comic Con this past May in Detroit. Oh, okay, great, great. That was a great show. Yeah, good. Yeah, and then I'm not sure if you recall, but on Sunday you drew a, a Kyle Reiner for Brian and a Swamp Thing for me. Oh yeah, I remember the Swamp Thing. Now <laughs> I haven't drawn a lot of Swamp Thing, but I tell you, I posted that and people went nuts. Oh, this really? Thing. I'm like, <laughs> I it, that was the last show of the day, or maybe the last show. I mean, the last, the last last sketch of the day and I thought how can I simplify this because you know when I think of Swamp Thing let's, let's be honest we think of Bernie Wrightson well, yeah exactly uh, I ain't no Bernie Wrightson so <laughs> I'm thinking how do I make this work to my satisfaction so I thought well just go for it you know that's that's normally how it works and I I, I hope you liked it and you know it, great, it seemed man. like the people liked it so um, yeah <laughs> okay but yeah I, I definitely remember the, the uh, cool the, yeah, the Swamp yeah. Thing yeah, and then uh, now that you say, I definitely do see um, the Bernie Wrightson in there, or the 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 uh, the sad attempt at it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where 
you know, just just do your own thing, you know, because when I first started, you know, I had so many influences. Even once I was published, that that was a problem. It wasn't until, oh, I don't know, kind of almost deep into my career where I just realized, you know, just get it done. You know, <laughs> well, actually, it was advice from artist Brian Hitch, the, oh, the guy cool. that did uh, Ultimates. I, I was uh, able to speak to him at one point, and he had said, said ultimately, you're going to draw how you draw. You know, you can have all the influences you want, but really, especially when you're trying to keep with a deadline or what have you, you're going to draw how you draw. So find what's comfortable for you. And I thought, oh, that's easy for you to say. Look at your stuff. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah. So that's I, I'm much more comfortable in my own skin or in my own pencil, however you want to put it. <laughs> so you would call your style deadline style, then, huh? Deadline style. Well, <laughs> You know, um, I can't announce it yet. It, it'll be coming probably early next year, but I am working on something. Got something in the works to, that will hopefully be my return to the actual comics. Because right nice. now, it's it's a it's a cover here. It's a Kickstarter. Everybody and his brother's got a Kickstarter. Seems like. I've got <laughs> right. I don't know how many Kickstarter reward sketches and that sort of thing. But uh, but this this could be you know my my return to the to the to the grind, to the, the pages grind. You know? now, now you mentioned your return. What was the last th uh, mainstream that you did for, with uh, comics? Hmm. That kind of depends on how you look at it. I, I did uh, some independent stuff here and there. There's a, a, actually a, a local company here in Columbus mm -hmm. that, uh, well, at the time they were in Texas, but they relocated uh, back here to, uh, to Columbus. It was a, a company called Van Breed, okay. which is like kind of like short for Vanishing Breed. Uh, we did uh, uh, some of their characters, and it was actually a reunion of, uh, it was uh, written by Ron Mars. Oh, wow. Uh, and inked by Terry Austin. The, the, oh. the character's called wow. Big Zeke, and he was he's actually a character uh, that operates in uh, Detroit, Michigan. So um, that was, I think that was the last published comic now it had a really low production run i honestly <laughs> don't know how many comic shops even got it well now that you but, bring it up daryl i i've read that i'm not sure oh, if have it, you? yes i'm not sure if it was on comics allergy and i think it might have been but yes i definitely read that because i saw your name on it i saw ron mars and then i saw that the character was based out of michigan i yes. definitely did read that was that 2013 maybe that sounds about right yeah well uh -huh. it's probably more like 14 i think okay i definitely uh, did read that yes because he was a big dude, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. He had the he had the fro and the chain yes. around the neck and the whole nine. Well, it was set in what year was that? Well, anyway, um, the the that was the last published uh, panel to panel type of thing that I've done. Mm -hmm. Now, since then, I've done covers here and there. Uh, some have shown uh, as variant covers from. It, it's been a few. Um, uh huh. But as far as story, yeah, that was that was the last. And so, uh, hopefully, not the last, right? Most, yeah. The most recent. Now, for DC, it's been a while. That was about 2011. With the when retro, that, with the, uh, the retro yes. uh, yeah. when DC was doing the, uh, the the retro series, and we did retro 90s. And I just remember I was oh, I had so much work because you know I'm primarily a, a commercial illustrator. I, you know, I do oh, cool. concept art. I do uh, uh even toy design so really I, I just i had a full plate when that came up and ron mars goes you know 
they're, they're doing these, you know, these Green Lantern stories based on eras, and there's 90s is one of the eras. Like, you know, we have to do this, right? I'm like, <laughs> and I said, I've got a full plate. He said, Yeah, likewise. So I'm like, Yeah, we're we got to make this happen. I mean, this who else is they going to get? I mean, we, right. they could get someone. Sure, you could get Paul Pelletier, you could get Jeff Johnson, huh. guys that were doing Kyle around that time. But you know, you really, it has to be us. So uh, I remember uh, it, it went a lot smoother. Even though I had a, a full plate that it did when I was when that's all I did was, was just pencil green later. It was I didn't even ink it. I just penciled it. I thought, uh-huh. what used to take me so long? I just, <laughs> man, I used to just pour over that stuff over and over to the point where like God. And I go back and look at it because you know the uh, the trade paperback just came out. Right. Yes. Uh, I actually uh, was coming up. mentioned that I got my copy of it yesterday at my uh, comic shop in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. So I've been flipping through it. I haven't. Had a chance to sit down and read it, but I can't tell you how long I've been waiting for a good Kyle Rayner uh, comprehension uh, trade paperback. So I'm very excited that that DC was finally came to and we released that. Yeah, man. I had I, they sent me several copies, and it took me a while to realize it says volume one. So I'm, <laughs> I'm taking it to mean, ooh, can there be a volume two? Because if you look, yeah. I, I've uh, seen solicits. Uh, volume two is coming out in May of next year, actually. Okay, so it's definite. Oh, yep. good. See, <laughs> even I didn't know that. Yeah. that. That's another thing. When you're in comics, people assume you know a lot of stuff that you don't. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, what Green Lanterns are going to be in the Justice League movie? Like, how would I know? <laughs> it's like, he, even if I was still in the book, I think even the current artist, he wouldn't know that. You know? Well, um, kind of to that point, so say if Kyle Reiner were to be in a movie, wouldn't they have to kind of notify you in terms of royalties, though? For being a co-creator? That, you know, you would think, but see, I also, you know, the, there was a, the, the parallax entity was in the Green Lantern movie. Yes. Well, you know, that name, I came up with that. Oh, really? Yeah. And they didn't say nothing to me about it. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, eh, well, with Kyle, it's a little bit more overt. I, they'd have to, to do something. If not, you know, I'd probably have to call somebody like, okay, look, you know, <laughs> Jeff drive, I, mean, I want my check. <laughs> yeah. I'd be mean, like. Parallax, like, eh, I mean, maybe, but yeah, Kyle, yeah, we'd have to, we'd have to work out something. I think they would want to. I mean, they, they certainly, they're, they're playing, uh, taking care of things with this trade paperback. So good, and they're really, good. they're very good with, uh, with uh, reprints and royalty, that sort of thing. With, with, with print. So I would assume the same would be true uh, with a film, and. Uh, yeah, while it would be a huge honor to see Kyle Rayner actually on the big silver screen, it'd be even greater <laughs> if I had a little, uh, you know, let's just say compensation. <laughs> well, <laughs> to that point, when, when Kyle was on the small screen on Superman and the first season of Justice League, they used him by name. Yeah, they did, but, you know, they didn't use by design, so I don't know. If they oh, loophole. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh. Now, it was, speaking of the Justice League cartoon, I remember there was an episode where they got turned into little kids. Yes. And Jon Stewart had this mask that looked kind of familiar to me. <laughs> yes, it definitely um, did. So, um, I don't But I, 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 I certainly hope that, you know, should Kyle make his, his big screen debut, that, you know, they'll, they'll do the right thing. So, but, uh, you and Ron Mars had arguably probably, as a collaboration... From what I can figure, the longest Green Lantern run, um, 
up until Jeff Johns came, but he didn't have that artist that stuck with him. He had, he had quite a few. I know um, Doug Mankey was the latest uh, right. in his run. But how do you feel about a lot of the ideas that you came up with? Hal Jordan becoming Parallax uh, and... Jade is a Green Lantern. Jade, yeah, Jade, uh, Kyle's <laughs> girlfriend becoming a Green Lantern. Kind of some of those ideas that they really decided to stick around, but kind of retconned a little bit. You found out that Parallax wasn't really a Hal Jordan anymore. It was that entity that kind of got a... Uh, that made um, it to the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to right, think of a right. polite way to say how they transitioned that into the Green Lantern movie. Well, ultimately, I, I, I always thought that uh, that Ron and I, we we kind of made people care about Green Lantern again because they Absolutely. didn't. That's why we were hired because no one cared about Green Lantern. That was the problem. The book was, you know, <laughs> an true. eyelash away from cancellation. <laughs> but I feel like Jeff Johns and, and Ethan Van Skyver and guy like that, they kind of cemented Green Lantern as an A-list character. You know, I think we, it's like we bounced it off the backboard and they slammed you know, <laughs> right. it, you know. Well, it's like exactly like you said. I think you made him a character that people care about mm-hmm. and then they kind of came through and took the Took the ideas that you brought up, brought in, and were able to cement it into that character that you know all of a sudden became a franchise. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, whenever I've done a couple of panels with Ethan recently, he oh, cool. really you know gives me you know props for you know for paving the way. But you know, I thought and I appreciate that, but you know, he's got to definitely get his respect because man, I, I think about the stuff that he's innovated while on that title. Like I said, they really, you know, Green Lantern is an A-list character now. Yeah. It just is, and it was during Ethan and and like Jeff Johns and guys like that that really made that happen. Uh, and I'm I'm glad. So getting back to the parallax entity, I mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy about it at first because to me it gave how a convenient excuse like oh right. what, the devil made me do it correct. But I see, agree. They they were building a story, especially with the with a with a yeah you know, with the long game in mind with with the with the spectrum of. Of uh, of the different lanterns, orange lantern, red lantern, etc. So that was part of their story, you know. Now yeah. they made it work because, like I said, you know, to this day, it's fondly remembered, sold really well, etc. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. where our interpretation was, you know, how actually we never really thought of how Jordan as a villain. It's more like he was a, a frustrated, maybe anti-hero, but we never really said Parallax is a villain, like he's going to hang out with. You know, Joker uh, dark side dark or what side. have you. Yeah, I mean, it was more like, you know, you ever seen that Michael Douglas movie, Falling Down? Yes, yes. That was as I was drawing those pages, I must have watched that movie over and over really? just to keep that idea in mind. As a matter of fact, I even gave you know Parallax spikier hair than how Gordon <laughs> I didn't had notice that. Now, but yeah. I, I wonder, was thinking back, like, was that influenced by by uh, what, what was Michael Douglas' character? Defense. Yes. Remember, it's like you know, I kind of gave him that spikier hair. Like that, I, that wasn't intentional, but think about it. Subconscious, your psyche, yeah, man. I'm looking at that pinup right now of uh, Hal Jordan as Parallax, where you have his arm uh, right in the air, and I can definitely see the ins- where the inspiration might have inadvertently been there. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to that's I've draw him with horn rimmed glasses. That's what <laughs> <laughs> and a briefcase. <laughs> but anyway, what I was the the, the comparison was. That defense, he wasn't evil. He was just more like fed up. You know, he, right. he just couldn't take it anymore. Everything kept happening, and just he was pushed beyond his limit. You know, with 
uh, with the war world destroying Coast City, you know, and knowing what the Guardians were able to do, you know, he lost his entire family and, you know, his, right. the city that he lived. He just wanted them to, to help him set things right and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. And it was too much. It was yeah. just too much. And so he snapped, you know, and he regretted, I mean, especially with, with killing Kilowog and taking all the, going into the central battery and, you know, by him taking that energy, any landers that were in space, well, they were left without protection and, and, and most likely died, you know. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like he was thinking, oh, how can I kill all these landers? Like, no, it was just, you know, he was enraged and he regretted. Right. But he was he, he went to a point of no return. But our initial idea is we wanted to bring it all full circle. We wanted to okay. eventually make, you know, redeem how, bring back the core, the whole nine yards. The, so... The, what were your plan? What were your plans, if you can tell us, to actually um, redeem how? We never got that far. Gotcha. We never got that far. <laughs> no. What happened was it was good and bad at the same time. Okay. We went from nobody cared to Green Lantern to everybody cared about Green Lantern, right. and the hires up. You know, like let's say like the DC is is segmented into offices. You know, like the Superman titles, the Batman titles, Justice mm-hmm. League. These are, you know, the heavy hitters, and they're they're far above the Green Lantern office. So <laughs> when they decide something, they can affect us, but we can't affect them. Gotcha. So essentially, especially with Parallax, well, it's almost like we were a toy company that that made the next Tickle Me Elmo or, or you know, whatever the hot toy is at the time. You know, it's like, oh, well, we want to use this guy because the uh, the Zero Hour event uh, that happened. Uh, the, the villain was already in place. It was a, a character called Extant. Okay. And I still remember a friend of mine coming over to my house and goes, so what do you think about Zero Hour, the villain? I'm like, yeah, Extant, he's kind of interested. Said, no, no, his boss. I'm like, he doesn't have a boss. Like, yes, he does. You do- they didn't tell you? I'm like, no, what are you talking <laughs> about? It's Parallax. Parallax is behind it. I'm like, what? Oh. So, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, people, then all of a sudden, you know, people cared about him. And, of course, then there was the controversy. Mm-hmm. Oh, the famous refrigerator store. Right, yep. yes. Uh, do, do you guys know the story behind that? Um, I know. I think I know some of it, but I would love to hear it from you. <laughs> well, um, Alex, Kyle's girlfriend, was, was created to be essentially like Uncle Ben was to Peter Parker. Gotcha. You know, she, Ron Mars created her. She was going to die, and she was going to be the catalyst to make him not treat this like a game to, to really want to be a full-on superhero. That was She was created to be that. And uh, when, she, when she was killed, when I had drawn that page, the refrigerator door was completely open. Matter of really? fact, it was broken. Ooh. And all the shells were smashed in, and her body was laying in there intact. Well, somebody somewhere goes, oh, we can't show this, uh, we, we can't show this uh, dead body, so, you know, we'll have to cover it up. So they had a, you know, like a cutout piece of paper as the, the refrigerator door, um, you know, c- covering her, her body right. you know, yeah. for the most part. But see, you know, like I tell people all the time, like, I don't know about your fridge, but my fridge can't accommodate a body uh, unless it's in pieces unless it's in pieces so um everyone thought oh my god major force he killed her and chopped her up and put her in the fridge so they made it worse in an attempt to censor it it kind of made it worse so i think if they had a time machine dc would go no no leave leave the door (laughs) open you know that was a story that we probably would have forgotten about uh six months later but here we are 2017 
it's still it's, it's even a a, a, a trope like right. uh, women in fridges and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, See, thanks all to, because of that. Thanks, you know? no, well, thanks to uh, Gail Simone. <laughs> she's right, right. Now, so, have you ever spoken to her about that whole controversy? No, and I kind of don't want to. I mean, you know, <laughs> fair enough. It's it's you know, I, I, it was so long ago, and it's kind of like you know, the the thing is around that time, and even significantly afterwards, there was so much anger towards the editor towards right uh, towards ron mars but none of it was towards me it's almost like oh he, he was just a driver you know he was just you know he was just <laughs> the guy just you know it's almost like well, you guys can be mad at me i drew it like now you, you were just doing your job well so are they <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that was funny i don't know if that was funny so, but no, with with Gail, I mean, I, I I hope that she wasn't thinking what a lot of people were like. Oh, Ron Mars hates women. Like, no, he doesn't. He has a daughter and a wife. So right. that was the story that was necessary for that character's development. Well, yeah, and it I mean, you're, you, as a hero, you got to have your catalyst. What's going to be? I mean, I hate to say it. What's that pushing point that really kind of steers you in the right direction? And I think you guys did a phenomenal job at starting out Kyle as like that. Hey, I'm kind of in this for you know to have fun and do everything, and you did all, and you had that origin at that point in time with his girl, with Alex's girlfriend, but you had such a unique spin on Kyle to keep him that young, fresh face of uh, the Green Lantern of the Justice League, um, and so forth. And I gotta say, having having Kyle in the well, first he was in the Titans, and then he was right. in the Justice League. It, it felt like you know it was like as if I was in the Justice League. <laughs> it's like you're like wow. I mean he you know I'm drawing panels where he's you know he's having an exchange with Batman and Superman. I'm like wow. You know I mean the characters from New York, but you know I'm from Ohio. It's almost like I went to New York and I'm meeting right. these characters. Mm-hmm. You know. Now how much um, influence did DC have on not just the character but the storyline in general when you and Ron first started because. If memory serves, it was right around that time you were dealing with the death of Superman and had the four uh, Supermen coming out. Bang. You had Nightfall with Batman and John Paul Valley mm-hmm. coming out. It it seemed like a time where you were replacing a lot of a lot of uh, legendary heroes with newer newer counterparts, and some of them stuck and some of them did not. And obviously, I think you, between uh, Kyle and Wally West, were the two most influential characters that really stuck around. Well, see, it was the 90s. This is the mid-90s. I mean, it was gimmicks to the left, gimmicks right. to the right. We had holographic covers. We had die-cut uh, embossed covers. We had trading cards and poly bags. I mean, that was that was what was going on. And so that's why, you know, the, the sheer fact that we're still talking about Kyle Rayner in 2017, that blows my mind because I'm right. thinking that's all we had was gimmicks. I thought, well, now we never approached it like a gimmick. We never said... This is just going to be something that's going to be here today, gone today. So we'll do what we, we do, and then that'll be the end of it. We we set out to create a good character. That was that was what our our thought process was, and I'm glad that you know that people caught on to that. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, even though it was happening around the the era of gimmicks and that sort of thing, and the speculators market and all that, we never approached it like that. You know, we 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 did the kind of comics and told the kind of stories that. We we enjoyed you know reading ourselves, and so we want to in, incorporate things that we liked into this new character. And uh, I I really love doing conventions where people come up to me and say, Kyle Rayner, that's my Green Lantern. You know, <laughs> like you know I, I started reading comics, or I came back to 
reading monthly comments again during that run, and you know that that never gets old. I, I always appreciate hearing things like that. Nice. Well, it wasn't it wasn't even Kyle Rayner that got me back into Green Lantern. It was Kyle Rayner that got me into Green Lantern. Um, you know, I always remember hearing it as a character in the DC uh, mythos before, but you know, kind of having it be that younger hero, having him be the artist. So it was a unique spin on the constructs and everything. Yeah, Darrell, um, whose idea was it to make uh, Kyle Reiner an, an artist, though? That was the writer and the editor. Uh, oh, cool. The, the, uh, Ron thought that, you know, well, keep in mind, Ron's a writer, but he lives in an environment where, I mean, you talk about the heavy hitters of the art and comics industry. I mean, you know, within driving distance from a Jim Starl and a Bernie Wright. Wow. Wow. Of guys like that. So he's a writer, but he thinks very visually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he knows so many artists. I might even go as far as to say he may know more artists than writers. So <laughs> it was a he wanted to see this character that he was going to write that was an artist. So with me, that was that was obviously that <laughs> I was fine with it. But that was actually not my idea. But I just I definitely loved that idea and signed off on it. So liberating, so, yeah. I, I, I would imagine. Yes. And what was funny is, you know, uh, not really having the time to really go into detail designing his apartment. <laughs> so <laughs> if anyone ever found uh, the the inside schematics of my apartment that I lived in uh, back then, it's like, hey, this looks like Kyle's apartment. Yeah, all I did was look around like, yeah, okay, this is he, his. Even though it's New York, it just looks just like this apartment complex in Ohio. Yeah. Now, to that point, your, your architecture architecture is amazing in, in, in all the books that that I've read. Um, is that part of your background as well? No, I mean, I remember uh, when I went to college, I had a, a course in structural drawing and that sort of thing, but everybody did it at school. It was a prerequisite. Right. And I really was not good at it. I struggled <laughs> with it. And I, and I remember when I would show my samples when I was trying to get in the industry, that was something that was pointed out that was a weakness. So really? I remember I said, I'm going to really get a hold of this perspective thing. You know, because really, in order to uh, tell a, a good visual story, you've got to move your camera around. It's like we're for filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, but my mind kept making it like math. But it really wasn't until I gave some thought to a, a teacher I had when I was in school that he had a background working at GM. He said, well, make mm-hmm. the drawing. You, you think about what you're trying to convey, and you're not thinking of the mechanics of it. And really, you know. Uh, calling back on that helped me push forward and really just go like it's not geometry even though it feels like it <laughs> the more you do it the easier it get think about the artists that you really like that have a, a great handle on perspective you want to be like them right well you know you got to put in the work just like anything else because i had a list of things i was bad at. i i mean it was a written list i remember when i, I would get <laughs> really? critiques and uh, i would write down the things that people said i was because see the thing is a lot of artists come up to me they want critiques and i said well do you want critiques or do you want compliments? Because a lot of, really, critiques hurt. <laughs> I mean, if you're an artist or, or a musician or whatever you do, to have someone really go Simon Cowell on you, that hurts. But then, right. that's, that's you, you got to have that. You, you can't mm-hmm. succeed in this without that. So, with me, I, I guess I was a glutton for punishment. I was, I was just determined to make this work. So, really? and fortunately, um, I was able to, to meet with artists who were really good at that. I remember, man, I, uh, Dennis Cowan, who I think was doing detective comics at the yeah. time. Man, I used to bug him. Anytime I saw him, he would look over myself. Uh, Brian Stelfreeze, mm-hmm. I, I call him my sensei. I mean, he he really helped me, you know, especially with uh, 
like regular clothing, like you know, shirt, pants, not spandex. Because he can draw that stuff out of his head. A lot of stuff you see him do, it looks like it's from models. He can just draw that way. I know I've seen it. I, I, we, we've done shows together. And I said, how do you do that? He said, it's patterns. He said, if you do this long enough, study from life, you'll mm -hmm. see the patterns. He was right. Yeah. So, you know, be, being able to have, uh, uh, you know, veterans that will, you know, that, that, that have no problem tearing into your stuff that uh, help you really go to that next level, I will, I will always be appreciative of that. Very nice. Now, Dara, um, bridging off your... Um speaking about teaching you also taught correct yeah i taught from about five years i started in about 90 95 94 95 something like that i taught where i went to school the columbus college of art and design very cool and what courses um did you teach i, I first uh let's see i taught several courses it all began with um one of my former instructors, Ron Tardino, he had area professionals would come in and do what he called team teach. And it was almost like a seminar, except extended. Mm -hmm. And originally I was going to teach on uh, marker technique, very similar to concept art. You've seen, like, let's say, the idea of, of, a, of a car design where it's like on a tonal paper and it's really quick, a lot right. of energy, yeah. but still technical, that kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. I, 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 that was one of the courses I took. Uh, experimental illustration and I was going to come in uh, and have juniors and seniors and we were going to do you know marker stuff like that but I didn't want to just have it random shapes or figures I, I thought well let me give them something that they can apply to anything no matter what their major so I, I wanted to, to have perspective drawing remember that perspective thing right. that used to give me so right. much difficulty <laughs> I thought well chances are if it was difficult for me it's probably difficult for somebody else so now keep in mind, I had juniors and seniors. Some guys they, they were getting ready to graduate, right? And the the type of perspective assignments that I gave them was almost straight out of the freshman year structure, you know, the the book, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, now I don't mean they they were having difficult. They they didn't know where to start. I thought, wow. Uh, okay, so I'm going to have to totally retool this team teaching thing and focus on structural drawing but kind of like applied for illustration and so um i never considered myself um having a knack for teaching but it was more or less something that i kind of kind of took to because I, I know what it's like to want to get into uh to you know take things to the next to the next level so right. they had me t uh, do some illustration courses very similar to the ones i took you know general illustration and then ron goes how would you feel about creating a comic class. Oh, cool! And I thought, right? I mean, the school wasn't real big on comics. You know, <laughs> it just it was they kind of tolerated, it, especially when I was there. But it wasn't something they really, because they didn't know much about it. It's not so much the disrespect. When you don't know something, you don't really gravitate towards it. And that's kind of what it was. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, how do you how how do I create a class at a college? You know, who does that? He said, well, what do they need to know? I said, a lot of stuff. He said, well, you you write down things that you want to cover. And we'll take it from there. And the rest is history. Now, the, right. the class has, has since come to an end not too long ago. Uh, it's it's kind of, I mean, they have a comic uh, major now, but it's different than what I taught. But uh, I guess if it's working for them, fine, but it's, it's different. You know, I, I had a, a whole different approach to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, one thing I, I definitely did not want to do and never did was I didn't do superhero stuff. <laughs> Because um, I didn't want someone to go, eh, who, you know, what if they're not doing the, the superhero? I'm like, I have, no one said that, but I, I had that 
uh, that defense already like no this is going to be general storytelling things that you can approach it, it, if you want to do X-Men or if you want to do Bugs Bunny this will work sequential yeah. art yep. sequential art sequential art perspective storytelling design all that good stuff now is teaching and, uh, something you think you'd like to get back into eventually or not really no, I mean <laughs> I mean, that, that, that kind of sounded more negative than, it, than necessary. It, it's, I certainly honored the time that I did it, but it's not something where I, I really have any goals to get back into. But it's a that's in the, that never say never category. Right, right. But not, not something I really... Uh, no, there's so many things that I'm, you know, currently learning myself. So, you know, I, I don't... It's hard to say. I, I I would say there's no current plans, but you know, uh, never know what down the road will get you. Right, right. I'm still a young guy. <laughs> so, um, I gotta ask, what is your uh, mindset with seeing a lot of ideas that you had back in the early to mid '90s, kind of get an approach, reapproach? You know, you're kind of seeing a little bit of resurgence with Kyle and the. The Green Lantern books, obviously, in the last year, you had a callback to his classic costume that you created. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how is that to you, seeing that, that you, art, the new artists are start being able to kind of take that design and run with it? Well, here recently, with uh, when Ethan Van Skyver had, uh, it was a cover that he had, he had sent me by way of a Twitter messenger. Cool. And I thought it was a variant cover. I said, hey, Throwback Thursday variant <laughs> cover. That's what the Kyle's kind of like a version of Kyle's old suit. That's pretty cool. He said, this is not a, a variant cover. This is the suit that I want him to have. And I'm thinking, Ethan, is a, he's, he can design costumes. I mean, just wow. I mean, you mm-hmm. got, it, it, he's, his resume speaks for itself. It's his book. He could make the design look like anything he wants. He could start from scratch. But he chose to have Kyle have a costume that basically looks like his original suit. That was his decision. So I'm like, that's just honor beyond honor to have someone of Ethan's talent be able to say, hey, right. this is the look that I want him to have. Uh, I was like, wow, you know. And, of course, you know, I love seeing guys like, especially uh, veterans draw Kyle's outfit. Seeing mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Nolan draw Kyle. Seeing... Uh, Garcia Lopez drawing, yeah. uh, even Brian Hitch, you know, just it's kind of like wow, you know. Um, I, matter of fact, I did a show uh, in Ohio recently with Kevin Nolan, and we were talking about the, you know, some of the recent covers. He said, "I hope I got the bass right." I said, "You know, a lot of people struggle with it, and I was never really sure why." But <laughs> I said, <laughs> "I said, sure, Kevin Nolan. Yeah, I think you drew that okay. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to critique Kevin Nolan. Come on, man." <laughs> No Daryl Banks, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, he gets by. Uh, um, so I kind of wanted to talk about for a minute. So everyone knows that you are the co-creator of Kyle Reiner, but are there any other characters or costume designs that you are responsible for besides Parallax, of course, that people may not know of? Do you remember the the female villain Fatality? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I had more with her creation even than Kyle because really? they essentially just said, we want, uh, Spawn has Angela, <laughs> we want a female lantern killer go. And I thought, okay, um, if, if I can do, you know, uh, you know, come up with this character, I've got a lot more free reign. The first thing I wanted to do was, I thought, how many black female right. villains are there? 
if there are any, I couldn't think of any. I said, well, that's the first thing I wanted to be. You know, not not trying to reach any of just to, just to do it, just to do it. I just thought it would be visually interesting because right. I couldn't think of how many there were. Plus, to make her visually different from Angela because, you know, yeah. that was, I mean, even down to the, the staff because Angela had a staff. I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to kind of you know make her a different uh, race because, so it doesn't make that uh, that connection. And also uh, to give her a connection to a Green Lantern because she's of the same alien race that John Stewart uh, was responsible for their planet being right. destroyed. The So yeah. they were like, okay, go on, go on. Um, I had some different names for her, and I, 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 Fatality is what we ended up with. And as you can guess, yeah, I used to play a lot of Mortal Kombat. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I played a lot of Mortal Kombat. So, um, so yeah, her name ended up being uh, Fatality. And, and uh, so, yeah, that was that was also a character that, cool. that was part of her creation. Were you? Uh, who else? Anybody else? Were you um, responsible for Effigy, the villain? No, that was Dave Johnson. Dave Johnson. And, okay. Yeah, I, I believe. Yeah, he was created by Dave Johnson. Now I, I drew him in in several stories, but he right. was created by Ron and Dave Johnson. Um. Uh, yeah. I know. I know. I'm forgetting somebody's like. Oh yeah. Then there's you know. Well, you just had, I mean, you were also responsible for bringing a lot of prominence to certain characters. I mean, if memory recalls, I don't remember Jon Stewart being a that large of a character at the time, but when creating Fatality, you were able to bring a little more prominence to him, you know, bringing Jaden and making her uh, kind of a successor to Kyle Rayner for a short period of time as a Green Lantern. As um, I'm trying to remember, that was that point in time when Kyle went to go restart the... Green Lantern Corps Core again, right. um, and you guys had a two-issue uh, prestige format series, I think, with that, um, but just bringing a lot of those characters to prominence and making people care about them was just You amazing. know, I, I really love drawing Jade. Uh, I, uh, initially, when uh, when Kyle was in the Titans, they made, uh, he and Donna Troy were right. a couple, mm-hmm. and of course, I like that. But I kept saying, well, what about Jade? I mean, she's the daughter of the original Green Lantern. I said, that seems natural. And, right. and my editor was like, well, you know, we'll see. But right now we're heading this direction. And I was cool with it. But when the time came and then, you know, Jade was in the picture, I'm like, yes, this is what I, this is really, I could see that. You know, just, uh, you've got a connection to the original 1940s Green Lantern mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with Kyle. And I remember, uh, one of my favorite issues actually was not a big action issue. It was there was kind of almost like a love triangle thing going on with Kyle still having feeling for Donna, and you know he had to kind of, you know, come bring to a conclusion he's he's with someone else now. And I remember there was a scene where just Kyle and Donna were walking through I think Greenwich Village, kind of hashing things out. Hmm. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that issue. And I, I had a I had a guest inker that I don't think I've ever worked with before or since. His name was Anibal Rodriguez. Okay. Anibal Rodriguez, something like that. And uh, he did a great job in it. So, e- even though when I talk about favorite issues, I, I, you're probably top in the list is going to always be Green Lantern Silver Surfer. But when I think mm-hmm. about some of my personal favorite artistically, I'd say it was that one. I don't necessarily remember the issue number. I'm so terrible with that, but right. <laughs> that, that definitely is, is, you know, in my top five favorite uh, GL issues. Awesome. Um, I also wanted to kind of touch on your your career and design work because I know that if if I, if I remember correctly, you've done some work for Hasbro, correct? Yes. 
Yes, and Mattel. And Mattel. So was like mm-hmm. this box art? Were you um designing action figures or anything like that? Yeah, action figure and, and toy design. I have, I have oh. with Mattel. It was it was some of their DC Universe classics. Oh wow! Like turnarounds like you know front side right. three quarters of certain characters. Uh, but I didn't do that super long. I, mean, I did it for a while. But with Hasbro, I I, I did stuff for them for for a number of years. I think the first thing I did with them is the same thing I do for a lot of companies. Just some they just want to see what would this look like. They not, may not necessarily do anything with it. Right. It's just con- conceptual. Although uh, when the first Captain America movie came out, uh, most of my designs I did for them they actually made toys of. Now as a really? toy fanatic, you know you know I love that. It, right. <laughs> like there were little almost like four inch tall Captain Americas, like Captain America as an armored SWAT officer, Captain <laughs> America as a paratrooper. Uh, um, I know I'm forgetting some, but if you ever saw those, like yeah, that stuff I designed for Hasbro and they actually made. Very cool. and, uh, uh, worked with GI Joe, Marvel Legends. Uh, I think I even did some ideas for Play-Doh. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was like this is what we need, and you know uh, we need it next week. And I, I never, I never had a problem with their with with their deadlines because. Oh, Hasbro, they take good care of you. <laughs> they, uh, they, they, they may want stuff quick, but they, they will they will make sure it is worth your while. I'm like, you guys need anything else? <laughs> so um, um, what do you find more more gratifying, like seeing like your comic book on, on the shelves every month or seeing like millions of people? Because let's be honest, action figures are in more, and toys are in more shelves than, say, comic books are. So is that more of a gratifying feeling for you, seeing, like, your toy, a toy or action figure that, that, that you've designed in Target shelves, Walmart shelves, and, and things like that? No, the, the comics are. The comics, it's hands down. I mean, even though, I, you know, my favorite hobby is toys and all that, but there's just something, because I spent so many years trying to get in the industry, mm-hmm. there's a lot more... Uh, I mean, with with the toy thing, that came on the heels of, like, hey, you know, we heard you like toys, can you do this? I didn't pursue it, you know what I mean? Right. Whereas the comics, that was a labor. I mean, <laughs> I just I just still remember uh, the road trips, the the portfolio, you know what I mean? It was a lot more of a, of a journey. Right. So even though the toys might be ultimately a, a wider audience, it's the comics where the where the real satisfaction for me happens. Definitely the comics. Yeah, absolutely. And there's got to be something about actually seeing your name on that, on something that's on the shelf too. Yes. Yeah. And plus, you know, the the comics, even though they they were decades ago, I mean, that's how I'm able to do, you know, to be a, a guest that shows, you know, like Motor City, right, they, yeah. you know, fans of of my work from. <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been so long ago, but you know, it's it's you know really helped me stay out there. You know, especially nice. since Kyle is still. Uh, a popular character. Now, do you have a dream project to work on, or a character that you would like to, that you would love to be able to work on? For DC, anything, anything, of oh, anything. Um, I got into the comic industry to do the Avengers. That's, oh, really? That's, I mean, that's since I was in, the, I don't know, seventh grade. I always wanted to draw the Avengers. I had an opportunity to do a fill-in once, but this was during the time I was I was working on Justice League. Mm-hmm. And the Avengers sounded like a one-off thing, and I thought I don't want to jeopardize, you know, essentially my job <laughs> with a one-off. So I thought, well, maybe can we do it some other time? And that that opportunity has yet to present ah, itself. Man. So I, I thought, was that my one shot? But 
Hey, fingers you know, crossed. I would love to see a, uh, your take on an Avengers story. All right. Now, were you more of a Marvel kid or or a DC kid? Marvel all day. Really? Marvel That's interesting. Yes, yeah. yes. Because, yes. <laughs> see, when I would go to conventions and show my portfolio, I'd show it to Marvel, and DC was like, yeah, might as well show it to them, too. But right. DC always, I mean, you know, the DC represent whoever it was, they were in suit and tie, uh-huh. and they gave me business cards. They gave me work. It was more specifics. Marvel was a lot more laid back, and I thought sometimes, there was one time I got a, a critique. It was two guys. I don't remember who it was. It was almost like everything was a big joke. You know, like, really? oh, it was like every two every two words was something funny. I'm like, yeah, that's entertaining. Make my Marvel, yeah, but mm-hmm. you know, what should I work on? This you is know. my livelihood. <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm having a good time, but, you know, I, but seriously, how, how can I get to that point where I'm making that? And I just, now I, I eventually did do a, a very limited things for Marvel, but, you know, the DC thing worked out, and, and, I, and I, I don't regret it at all. I, they were a great company to work with. Yeah, because if I recall, you did an issue of Uncanny X-Men. I think it was like 351 or 52. Uh, I, it, it was it, it, on the cover. It said like the most artists ever on a Marvel book, <laughs> right? Something like that. Well, here's what happened. I was I, my one my one time going to New York. I was in town for a uh, actually a show in Boston, and I was staying actually with Ron Mars. And he goes, "We could take a train to the city and visit the office and that sort of thing." Would you like to do that? I'm like, now, being born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, do I want to go to, to Times Square? Of course. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, we go to New York, and I visit the office, and it's great. It's, it's everything I thought of. It looks like a, well, I don't know about now, but then it looked like a theme park. Statues, <laughs> the whole nine yards, murals to the left and right. And uh, I thought, well, how far away is Marvel? My editor goes, oh, you don't want to go there. I'm like, <laughs> I just want to say, like, he actually like barred the like stood in front of the door like no don't leave I'm like what are they gonna do give me work they don't know me there right so uh, I, you know I eventually got the direction and it was literally it was walking distance and I had wow. like, uh, little index cards I was gonna introduce myself uh, to to Marvel because you know I'd never worked for them and they go hey it's Daryl Banks I'm like how do you know I was like <laughs> cool I, I walk in they knew they knew who I was and it, it was like huh. And this is, you know, relatively early in my career, but I guess they, they found out. So uh, I was there was a, a former DC editor that worked there at the time. I was going to say hi to him. Right. And someone goes, "Hey, we, we're really we're really strapped for time with this issue of X Men. Can you take a few pages?" <laughs> and I'm thinking, "Hmm, do I want to draw X Men? Put that on my resume? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Gee, let me think. Yes. What do you need? <laughs> so I mean, it was it was right place, right time, walking down a hallway. You know. Um, so, yeah, that's how that happened. They they they, cool. they were looking for warm bodies, and you know I was fortunate to to, to have my my one shot at the X Men, and that was it. Hey, that worked out for everybody, fans and yourself. <laughs> but also, what's crazy, uh, in 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 and listen to a lot of interviews with artists and writers, that happens at Marvel more than we think it does. Really, I've heard that story <laughs> numerous times. Really? Yes, allegedly. <laughs> Legend goes, that's how Scott Lobdell got the job on the Kenny X-Men back in the day. Because it's right after, uh, I think, after Jim leading and everyone left. And then he was in the hallway one day, and he, he was cool with the editor. Said, hey, Scott, write on Kenny X-Men. Boom. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that means that you're in very good company for being the right place at the right time and Marvel, apparently. And too too bad I couldn't you know I couldn't afford to hang around the office more often. Right, I was stopping through again. <laughs> right, got more, got some more pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah, Daryl, like we know that you were, um, want to keep things about 45 minutes. We just got like a few more quick questions um, to kind of wrap up here. Um, so sure. what books, either comics and or any other media, are you currently reading? Um, well, you know, since Kyle's back in his classic uh, comic, uh, comic uh, costume, I've been picking up a few of those. I'm, I'm sure there's been some newer ones. I, I just... I mean, even though I'm close to a couple comic shops, I just, my schedule, I just, I'm jumping, jumping. So it's it's hard to really follow anything monthly. Plus, I've got a lot of uh, stuff that I've amassed over the years I never got around to reading. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had this habit of, I'll buy a comic because I follow the artist, and I thought, well, you know, this is probably a good story. So, <laughs> you know, certain things I'll pick up, like, I, I love trades because I can take them with me to like an airport or whatever and just sit and read it yeah uh, i remember i had picked up uh old uh, john buscema roy thomas conan mm. now there were some stories for it yeah um i'm trying to think what else uh hmm any movies or tv shows that you're really into oh that's that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> my 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 number one hobby my passion is i love uh, japanese live action stuff okay. ultraman uh, Godzilla, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, if if, if I, I, right now I'm standing in front of my bookcase that has mm-hmm. let's let's just say a few action figures from from uh, the Land of the Rising Sun. I was like, if these guys could see that. They, this would be a whole other podcast. <laughs> What's the deal with all these these action figures? But um, that's and of course you know on the American side, I love the Flash TV show. Yeah, uh, yep. I'm looking forward to that the, the debut for that. Um, movies. Um, I hope the Justice League movie is going to be good. I, I feel like it, it seems like it might be a little dark, like, you know, like uh, Man of Steel and, right. and Batman versus Superman, which, mm-hmm. you know, those did really well, but that's not my style of movie. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I just... Definitely a night and day difference from the Marvel. I mean, I, I always said I got to give it to DC for trying something a little different. Um, yes. You can, just, you can tell it's not everyone's cup of tea when they're uh, comparing it. Now, the thing is... I. Now, on the other hand, I feel that Thor Ragnarok looks like it's going to be too funny. It's I agree. Like, I agree. Hundred uh, percent. You know, I'm like, no, it's Ragnarok. You know, for those that don't know, that's the Twilight of the Gods. That's yes. the darkest story that Armageddon. the North mythology ever encountered. And to to have a whole bunch of yuck 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 jokes, like, no, no, that's not Ragnarok. What are you doing? You I know? call that the Guardians of the Galaxy effect. Yeah, because that did so well, and that's because of that was a, a, a box office success. You know, they're going to have to follow that business model, probably whether they want to or not. Exactly. And you know, I just I don't know. But on the bright side, one thing occurred to me: my favorite Marvel character is Hercules. Oh, cool! And so when I thought about it, when I thought about it, here's Thor. He has short brown hair, a beard, and no hammer. That's Hercules. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's a good one. It'd be great if we got a Hercules movie. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of what we got. Thor, the Prince of Power. <laughs> now, um, but I mean, it's all there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> now, um, by chance, are you? Were, we'll say, were you at any point a, a Eddie Murphy fan? Oh, who wasn't? <laughs> Hercules. Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, um. On, on our show, we have different themes. Like sometimes we talk about comics, sometimes we talk about movies. But we have a we have a, a theme show called Eddie Murphy's Law, and that's where really? we actually talk about Eddie Murphy movies. So far, we've only done Beverly Hills Cop one, but because it's so cool to talk to, if you're interested, 
in any Eddie Murphy movie. We'd love to have you back on and talk about that. Well, we could talk about Coming to America. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Nutty Professor, the first one. I like yeah. Boomerang. That's my personal favorite. Well, that too. That too. I mean, <laughs> wow. I, but I'd say probably if I had to pick – well, you know, that's that's hard to say. I remember my biggest uh, maybe fav, favorite memory of an Eddie Murphy movie was, was uh, Nutty Professor – the, the, the scene at the the family at the table and l- let's just say they were uh, having uh, gas issues. Yeah. <laughs> and I laughed so hard in the theater I almost walked I wanted to, I said I want to have to go to the restaurant so my son was hurting. It was I was in pain. I, I was laughing with tears in my eyes. I'm like I'm gonna actually have to walk out for a second to kind of catch my breath. I I'd never laughed that hard in a movie before and I'll never forget that. Yeah, well, we definitely got some episodes planned coming up with it with uh. I know the Coming to America episode is one we, uh, as hosts, we definitely want to get into, because um, that's one of our personal favorites, right. uh, Nutty Professor. Um, but what we kind of do with that is, because we call it Eddie Murphy's Law, he's had a his, his ups and downs in his career, so we kind of try sure. to give it a verdict of, you know, is it guilty or not guilty of being a, a fan for the a movie for the fans or what we consider personally consider a good movie. He's got that's his good and he's got his bad. And, sure. and the Nutty Professor is an interesting one because one might say that's where it's kind of started going down after that point. Well, but then he kind of had a resurgence with with his voiceover work, especially true. with Shrek. Shrek. You know, that yeah. was a yep. box office international smash. So, Absolutely true. Yeah, so I mean, one door closes, another door opens. So you know, he's 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 doing all right. And then know. there's a thousand words. <laughs> I never saw that. Exactly. Uh, of course, did anybody? <laughs> well, Daryl, I have to tell you, it's been an absolute honor having you on our podcast um, and being oh, able to interview pleasure. you. My pleasure. Um, and we would definitely would love at some point in time to have you back on. Um, you know, you mentioned maybe in the coming year you got a new project coming out, um, and once once that's actually revealed uh, to the public. Um, if we could maybe get you back on we for that. We'd love to have you back on for that, um, I, I It would be my pleasure. be my pleasure. All right, Daryl. Well, thank you very much uh, for being on here. Um, I'm sure I speak for myself, for Evan, and for all our listeners. Uh, you know, like I said, it has been a true honor to have you um, and be able to well, speak with you. Oh, Daryl, I'm uh, well, sorry. One more thing. So uh, uh, I drilled the, um, the, 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 the uh, title for our, our, our podcast, so give me a critique. But only good things. Go. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. What, what are you? What do you, you want me to do? What now? Oh uh, no, no. I, 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 I was just saying that um, the title card for, for our podcast. I drew that. I, I was joking, saying give me a critique of my artwork, but I was just joking. Oh, oh. I, well, I have to see it. I no, no. Do you want me to just compliment you, or do you want me to really critique? Lie to me. Really lie to me. <laughs> And and do it with a, a British accent like like yes. Simon Cowell. You know? No, I want you to lie to me. I can't take it. <laughs> oh man, I you know, like I said, I if you can find him, find Dennis Cowan, and one see what he's up to. I think he's an executive BET or something like that. And also ask him, did Daryl Banks always hound you in Chicago to look at his artwork? And he'll, <laughs> he'll probably start cracking like that guy again. <laughs> Dennis. He just drew um uh, uh one of the Jack Kirby books at DC. I think he did the Black Racer story. He did. Yeah. Oh, well, see, I, I didn't know that. I'll have to hunt that down. About I'll two have to weeks hunt ago. That down. Yeah. Because uh, 
Yeah, you talk about somebody that can just draw and make it look easy. I had him do a, a one, well, when he wasn't critiquing my work, I actually <laughs> bought a page from him and I had him uh, do a commission of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And it was just, just you know, just Black Panther in a crouch. But, you know, like he's ready to pounce. And he just made it look so easy. I thought, one day I'll learn how to do this. <laughs> So, like I said, if, if I don't know if, what his uh, schedule is like if he does podcasts, but if he ever does, you make sure that I know when you do it so I can listen to that. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. <laughs> All right, Daryl. We won't take up any more of your time, but thank you so much, man. We definitely appreciate this. Well, Evan, Ryan, it's, been, it's definitely been an honor for me and uh, and much success to you. All right. I appreciate it. Well, we hope to uh, have you back on the show and uh, definitely hope that you make it back to the Motor City Comic Con next year. Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Well, th- thank you again, Daryl. Look forward to your future project. Mm-hmm. Take and, care. Yep. And we'll hang up. Okay. So you have four. <laughs> okay. I'll right. figure out how to do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. See you guys. Yeah, bye. So there was our first interview that we've gotten. Uh, myself, Evan, Ben, Z, Daryl Banks. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really well done interview. We are regular uh, uh, Barbara Walters <laughs> and Bill O'Reilly. Baba, Baba Wawa. I said, I said, Daryl, you can have the last word. And then I spoke again. It's like this is my, this is like my boy Bill. And also, we managed to say, well, I, I mean, I don't think it's a bigger problem for you, but managed to stay clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think we cussed once on the subject. I don't think, it, well, not on an interview. I, I think we cur- cursed on a, on a preamble. Not Maybe. much. We did. Yeah. We, we've been sticking to a PG-13 format. Yeah. And it has not been intentional. And it's natural. Which yeah. If it's natural, it's good. But when it's forced, that's yeah. why I don't like it. One thing you, we can assure you, you will never get a forced no. PG-13 content. Nope. If we want to cuss... We'll cuss. Motherfucking right. Oh, now we're just going to... Well, well PG-13, you, you can get one F-word, right? I can get two. Yeah. So you yeah. got one. I'm going to get one more. Boom. Before the episodes of Dark. So PG-13, yeah, but definitely a clean interview. Because, yeah, but I feel like Daryl is a pretty clean guy. So, yeah, I didn't want to say anything to him. Like, this interview's over! Motherfucker! And there's our two. Boom. <laughs> I was going to save it to the very end. But <laughs> it, it didn't happen that way. Yeah, so, um, and I'll say right here at the offset, there might be some slight audio problems with the interview. I'm going to try to correct them, but if not, just turn your radio up or whatever, listen to it on during the interview, and then back to the normal pitch um, after the fact. And probably what I'm going to do, a little inside baseball, I'm probably going to put it together, send it to myself, and listen to it, mm-hmm. and then see um, if if anything should be fixed. I sure wish we had our audio guy who handled all that stuff. Oh. <laughs> so, didn't really get a chance to speak before we got into the Evan, our interview, though, Evan. Um, you know, this is kind of one of our comic-based episodes. Right. So what What are your favorite for Daryl Banks? I know you kind of go a little more sometimes for the obscure, not necessarily just the uh, mainstream, which... To everyone, it is the Green Lan- Kyle Rayner Green Lantern that he did. Well, um, I haven't. <laughs> this is gonna sound funny, but I haven't read these books. But when I was doing like the research for, for the interview, which did pay off, I did. I was able to bring up the thing <laughs> that did paid off. Um, I did see that he he did a couple of issues of of the Phantom. Was it was I kind of wish that 
would have gotten into, but like, of course, we don't want to take up too much of his man's time. He's a busy man. He has a family, things like that. But um, I, I can I can imagine him doing a, an incredible Phantom. Um, so other work of Daryl's that I like is of course a Green Lantern, and I have the um, the Uncanny X Men that he drew pages in. And as a matter of fact, talk to the audience for a second. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it because I have a, a box of my Uncanny X Men. Oh, that's a, it has, and most of those should be in pretty decent order. Okay. So talk to the audience so I can so we can try to show, at least show on the podcast some some of his rare Marvel work because something we found out that I don't think anyone knows. He, like me, he, he's a Marvel guy. Yeah, I, that, that took me by surprise. <laughs> yeah. Although ninety percent of his work has been his output has been DC, he's a Marvel guy. Well, let's not forget also the Big Zeke. Big Zeke, yeah, and I, I did actually read that too. Did I mean, you? Yeah, because because I, I think it popped up on Comicsology one time. And it was like, oh, Ron Mars and Daryl Banks actually has earned it in a couple of years. Yeah, so I actually did read it. So. Had a, we did have an excellent interview with him. Um, there were some what we wanted to try to make sure to do that make sure that this wasn't your typical interview that you would hear off another podcast um, that he did, or that uh, either Ron or Ron and Daryl both have done in the past. You know, everyone always seems like they ask the same generic questions. You know, how did you break into the break into the industry, what are your inspirations, and we, we kind of wanted to get into that, because some of it we just didn't know, but we wanted to make sure, you know, st- well, still also ask it, make it a natural flow, and I think that worked really well. I do want to thank Daryl for being on our podcast, uh, you know, it was an honor to have him on as our first interview, hopefully have much more interviews coming on um, in the future, definitely uh, at the very beginning, Evan said that we have some ideas, but you know, Daryl was a huge inspiration in the character of getting me into the Green Lantern franchise when I was younger. Um, I didn't get into it right when Kyle Rayner started off um, as a character. I knew of him. It was probably a good 30, 40 issues into it that I got into the uh, character of Kyle Rayner in the Green Lantern comics. Um, and I can tell you, I mean, he made me a lifelong fan. I collect Green Lantern to this day, and it's so cool seeing some of the uh, some some of what Daryl had created back in the day, in the early to mid-90s, you know, kind of get a resurgence. You know, Kyle's recently been brought back into his new costume, um, kind of get, acting a little more like the character uh, he once was, you know, there was a lot of stuff that we learned hearing about how his girlfriend, Alex, who started the whole trend in the same women in refrigerators was his uncle Ben. Um, that's something I never knew. So we actually got some really good information and content that I've never known about. I don't know if Evan had known about it either. Um, but just very interesting to see. Did you find it? All right, hurry up and get out here. You know I don't like being on the mic by myself. Yeah, I feel like you're just going over the entire interview. <laughs> then we spoke about this. Oh my! Fuck. I'm saying what I found interesting. Okay, this has got to be about the most boring part. Just get some minutes in there. Three seventy nine. Okay, it's right before Chris Pacello took over. Um. 
Um, yeah, I I concur with your findings. Oh, 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 wait. 49. Did I miss that one issue? <laughs> no, no, no. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Is there yep. a cover on that? No. No, this was in fucking 98 when I was fucking 20-something. Yep. Uncanny X-Men issue 352, right after the trial of the Gambit. And it was written by Steve Siegel of um, Dead, no, no, of Ben Tenfang. Mm-hmm. And art by Cully Hamner, Neil Edwards, Daryl Banks, Terry Dotson, uh, I'm not sure who Williams is, and John Cassidy. So I, I'm just going to show Brian here the pages of Daryl Drew. I'm, this, this might be. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about Kyle being in the might be Titans. Those too. two pages. I did. I did only because in the book that you bought, the shoulder. Now, I'm not sure about that one. Well, took the page. No, that's him. That's, that, that's it. Yeah, that's him. You can tell by that 90s hair that he drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Kyle Rayner. That's a Kyle Rayner haircut. Yep. Same as that right there. Mm-hmm. Hey, the man got a chance. You know, for someone that was a Marvel kid growing up, Marvel through and through, he got a chance to draw Wolverine. Yep. He did. Um, sorry, I'm eating Juji Fruits. Thank you. Um, some of the world's nastiest candies. Thanks. That might be him too. No, that's uh, I know he did Green Lantern. Mike McCone? No. Nope. So, if you guys want to follow along with us, by Kenny X Men number three fifty two, right after the trial of Gambit when Joe Monterera left the book. Really? Mm-hmm. That's gonna piss me off. Who this is now? Well, he did uh. He was did artwork on that storyline issue 100 through 106, I think, when the young Hal Jordan came back from the past in the Green Lantern. Oh, okay. So, I'm going to find it. Is it John Cassidy? That might be it. This might, yeah, this might be Yeah, this is early John Cassidy, man. He got a lot better. Yep, yep, yep. I can tell you. So I'm on the last page of the book for all those following along in the audience. I wonder if I can get um, Daryl to sign my copy of this book with no cover on it. <laughs> yeah, so I think that our 50th episode went, went out uh, for, uh, without any hitches. Um, we're hoping that you have a surprise Easter egg at the end of this episode. You'll find out when it comes out. But as with the last episode... Listen until the very end. Listen until it stops the actual show. Just make sure there isn't anything else on here. Um, so you guys know, on our maybe Brian. Yes. This is us talking, making the soup on the actual show. Oh, okay. Maybe our comic thing episode can try to all interweave with a um an interview. I like it. Was maybe difficult to do because because well, it all depends. We have some characters we want to talk about, right? And it all depends if we can get some. Um, we have, like I said, we do have some ideas. I'll throw this one out. Me and uh, Evan and myself are huge uh, Tim Drake 
Robin fans? Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? Uh, my phone. I want to look up the person that you're talking about right now. I have it right here. Oh, here it is. Mars wrote it. Johnson Williams. Who, who did that cover? That's not that guy. Cause that's 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 definitely John Cassidy. But that looks like I don't know what it is. Um, that looks like fucking. Uh, oh, that's three fucks. Not not it's four fucks. Not five fucks. F words. And that looks like Stuart Eminem, but it's old style. Though. Looks similar though. What's the name? Johnson. Johnson, like yeah, he was talking. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know, talking. No, but I'm talking about. I'm gonna look up the person that we would want to try to have our next interview. Oh. Um, but yeah, we, like as I was saying, we are very large, or very big Tim Drake fans. Yes. Um, for anyone that don't know, that's Robin number three. Three. Um, that's my Robin. After Dick and Jason, Dick Grayson and Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some uh, some of the creators of the original of uh, Tim Drake. Maybe not the creators, but some of the people that got his name out there. Mm-hmm. So I think Norm Bray Brave will. Uh, actually was he no uh, so uh, how, how it worked um you know actually I don't know if you know this Tim Burton's actually partially responsible for the creation of the Tim Drake Robin if I remember correctly because mm-hmm. that came out at the time of Batman 89 they wanted Robin in there right um and, and they're trying and to Fox is going to play him and like, it had it all storyboarded and everything mm-hmm. I actually got that story I got, I got a script somewhere in my house really? That has the Robin sequel. It had Batman riding on a horse. It was. It was. It, it, it was I'm, they made the right choice. Yeah, it would have never worked in that film. No, it would have never worked. You don't have Batman in a leather fireman costume riding around yeah. on a horse. Yeah. Maybe a Ben Affleck Batman riding around on a horse. <laughs> but no, we got some. We definitely have some ideas in the pot. In the pot, stirring, cracking, lacking, cooking up in the crock pot, pot, crack. Cooking up the crack. Cracking the crack pot pot. Absolutely. Yeah, so this guy hasn't updated his uh his website since July seventh of twenty six twenty sixteen. Much like Norm Brave when I reached out to him. Yes, so that may not go so well. But let's see if he's on the Twitter sphere. Because Twitter apparently seems to work. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, cause I think that we would be good interviewers in the future, and then this proves that, that we can hold our own in an in, in interview. Because essentially these days the interview is just a conversation between us and people who are better known than we are. Thank you, Chris Hardwick. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else we want to put into this? Um, R.I.P. Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. He's free-falling up in heaven now. <laughs> your, your two songs that I've heard of. Yeah, much more than that. Yeah, but I, I like two. American and Girl? I, I, I didn't like that song. Though. Waiting? No, I like the uh, free-falling. Mm-hmm. And Mary Jane's last... Never last chance it. for Mary Jane? Never heard it. And I like uh, well, free falling, and and I won't back down. And I won't stand back ground. down. Oh, which was better when Sam Smith did it? Stay with me. I can't believe you didn't like wait. I would have assumed you were a waiting fan. How did it go? The waiting is the hardest. Oh shit! Now I'm, I'm off tune. I'm gonna play a little. Tom snippet. Petty sings. Tom Petty. God bless the dead. It was one of those people who couldn't really sing, who, who, who had good timing made because he's a terrible singer. He's not bad. Better he's, than that Bob Dylan. Yes. But they're in the same category, though. No. They they are. No. He can't sing. I, nope. I, think, I think you could sing that Cat Stevens. 
audience. I don't like it already. Yeah. I'll tell you, also can't sing Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, yeah, he can't talk either. <laughs> he can't talk now, but he can never sing. Much of this guy played before. Copyrighted prisons. Well, this is a free podcast, so we can play whatever we want. We can do a frame. We don't stop it. Push us in the mic. I guess you can this. So far, no. This is mobile app. Is the hardest part every day is one more Wait for the song to be over. Trash. God bless the dead, though. I'm just saying, I'm just not my particular uh, swag. So I like I, it. I like those songs. Well, back down. And I stand with my ground. I didn't match it with him. <laughs> and uh, and also, which is good, we got some singing in because that's also one of our signatures. Our signatures. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We got some singing in. All right. Do I guess I should say this? It is timely, but you know, our thoughts and prayers are going out to all the families that were affected. In the mass shooting in Las Vegas. I mean, if we're doing that, so also for the hurricane in Puerto Rico, what for my butter pecan Puerto Ricans? I had two family members that were affected by her, both her, one of each, one in each hurricane. Really? My sister was in Texas, lives in Texas, right? right. Um, for uh, fuck, I was gonna say Katrina, but Harvey. Yes, yeah, and then uh, my dad lived in Florida for Irma. Oh wow! I mean. Thankfully, not, I mean, neither one of them were really affected. Very they were minor in the damage, area. But uh, they both lived in the area that uh, both hurricanes were affected. But, I mean, I was just, I was down in uh, Texas recently within the last right. month and did get to see some of the uh, devastation that was caused by it. And, uh, you know, heart, hearts out to anyone that was affected by it. Right. We can't fuck with those natural disasters. Apparently, it's Trump's fault if you ask certain people. Yeah. But Trump did say, I mean, you guys are lucky. You only had 17 deficits. Now, Katrina, they had thousands. Let's, You're lucky. Let's move on. We are not a political podcast. <laughs> you brought it up, so I had to have I, I didn't say what my thoughts were. I said what other people said. I, I just quoted what he said. <laughs> All right. You guys are lucky. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Timely. Yes. Um, okay, and I'm sure that if Randy were here, he would also say thank you guys for uh, signaling for the 50 episodes, and also he would say that he was, he was on the interview. Huh? But he wasn't. So, again, it's probably been said too many times. You know, I was going to thank the viewers listeners again, but you know what? You should be thanking us. Email us, thanking us for yes. the interview, for the oral pleasure that you're about to, that you listened to oral for the last couple, two and a half years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so if you want to hear more of these interviews, we will work as hard for you as you work for us. Let us know you want to hear more interviews. Let us know whom. It doesn't have to be comic people. Uh, we might get an interview with Eddie Murphy if you guys want us to. We'll try if you want us to. I, we won't get an interview with Tom Petty. No, that 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 ooh, that, that ship is sailed. That ship is sailed. All right, people. The waiting is the hardest part. The waiting is the hardest part. We're waiting a long ass time. But yeah, but who knows? There's plenty of artists and then comic book professionals 
for the most part, unless you're Will Signey, are pretty easy to talk to, and they're pretty open with their time. As we saw here, Daryl was very gracious with the sign with us, and I'm sure there's other there's other creators that we can talk to. Yeah. I will say this. I, I was inspired to continue to try to get an interview on the show, uh, thanks to another podcaster, Daryl Taylor, who also has, he shares his first name as, as Daryl Banks. Because uh, he had a show called uh, Sunday Comics Podcast, where he, he he interviews a lot of people. He interviewed uh, Howard Chaykin, talking about his controversial book that's out right now with all of the Muslims on the cover. Mm. I wouldn't want to do that in an area. And it, it was, it was, I think uh, we talked we talked about him in our very first comic episode. Yeah. Yep. My disdain for Howard Chaykin. He probably has the same Nothing is, The guy's probably a nice guy. Uh, that That's debatable, because he was getting indignant on that interview. It was, it was awkward. But it was good. I, I, I want inter- to interview Adrian Saif. Yes. This <laughs> <laughs> controversial I, I, X-Men issue that got him blacklisted. It was all about love. I probably never work in American comic history again. I want to interview Joe Matarara, because his video game came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. His Battle Tissues uh, video game. Can we get Tabitha Farley? Yes. Why did I get my watch? And my dad was in the factory for 20 years. He got a watch. I did I get a watch for creating Venom? No. He's too busy creating Spawn movies. Mm-hmm. Low budget Spawn movies, not paying anyone. Bloomhouse is doing very, very good work for low budget films. And they aren't cheap films, they're films on a low budget that make a profit. Make a lot of profit. Because they might get out, right? Yep. Get Out, they did the Paranormal Activities, I believe. Uh, did they do a split? Yes. Uh, and what are the movies with um, Night Owl? Like the series of movies he does with Night Owl and, uh, the ch- and, with Night Owl and um, Amira McTaggart. They have a series of like horror movies. Oh, yeah. I don't it, is it Paranormal Activity? No. The haunting or the, the conjuring? The yes, something like that. Yeah, yeah. they they the, 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 those. They did it slight. They're doing how the new Halloween. Yeah, and the horror movies are smart. Horror movies are always low budget because because they don't require a lot because everything oh, was yeah. it's psychological. We also got to know. I mean, to me, well, I guess they proved the fact you don't have to have a be rated R to be a good horror movie. Recently, they've kind of separated into PG thirteen, but I mean. Yeah, you you need to be able to pull an audience in, and horror movies are a kind of a. Are, aren't the Conjuring's are? No, well, they are, but there's a lot of them that are PG thirteen. Are most of PG thirteen horror movies are trash? Mm, some, they're, well, they're more mindfuck movies. Oh, gotcha. There's another one. Uh, yeah. Oh, where are now? Sorry, Mr. Were the Banks. Purge? What were the Purge? R? Yes. Would you consider those horror? Horror is a broad thriller. genre, yeah, but I think the thriller isn't, isn't a horror-based genre. I, would I think say. they tried the first one to be a little more horror-based. Yep, and then it became more thriller. And like, and not that Michael Jackson thriller. Yeah, and like the and the last one was kind of more of an action movie. It was like Frank, Frank Grillo trying to audition for the Punisher. I felt like yeah, I don't know he, he played, played Crossroads. Yeah, but he played Crossroads yeah. already. Well, yeah, he he that's my Punisher. But you got me into those movies. I actually like them more. They're they're just, there's also a new one. They're doing a prequel. Really? Well, because they put an end to the Purge at the end of the last one. True. So they're going to Purge Four, which is a prequel to the set to the year of the very first Purge. Oh wow! And, and like those are my F movies too. Hey, you never know. The Purge could come. I was just about to say the same thing, bro. We're pretty close. We're pretty close to the Purge right now. So, all right, guys. You know this is episode fifty. Uh, 
as long as Evan gets this thing out, we haven't broken a commitment yet since right. coming back. So there's a little work we got to do, but uh, like I actually have have a burst of energy right now, man. I, I may be able to get this shit out tonight. Tonight, possibly. Well, you got to figure out if you can get that the voice. If you can get the voice over to work, right? But and you get some good music in there. Yeah, I mean, last week done like I've got music choices. The A and B selection, like church, already selected. All right, but let's go ahead and maybe a bullet point at the end. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see if we can get that in. All right. Um. All right. Anything else we need to go over? Yeah, we need to think of a goddamn sign off. Episode fifty-one. Yep. That is our commitment to you. Yep. We will have a new sign off. You'll notice there's no guarantee. It's a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> That is my commitment to the audience. We will. That's what came out. That's what came out to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got our commitment to have a sign off. Not that you even care, but I'm sorry, but we had to go like little long before my Kevin Hart jokes. So, and you heard what happened with Kevin Hart? Like he cheated on his wife, mm-hmm. right? And then you know that he cheated on this wife with his, from his last wife, right? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so he's married to a, a female comedian, a comedian named Tori Hart. What's Tori? Sightly. And because she's also very short. So while they were still married, uh, he cheated on her with his current wife. And he left his wife for her. So then the funny part was, in interviews, they were asked, Tori Hart, how long were you and Kevin Hart together? She would say six years. No, eight years. Then they asked his new wife. She would say six years. So there was overlap between his first marriage and his second marriage of, of his wife. So then, as you probably know, he got caught on tape. Apparently, he was he was dicking his chick down. Yeah. yeah, and then um, he, he had his apology video on there, and uh, there's all these people taking his apology video and they spice it all kind of ways, and then they 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 they, they made a good point when it was when Kobe, Clinton, him, someone else had on there. When, when whenever someone does something wrong and it's infidelity, they they always attack attack the woods, y'all. They always do like the pursed lips, like man, and they always say I'm not perfect, but my joke is, I made a mistake. yeah, I'm not perfect. Uh, you can't really be mad at Kevin Hart for cheating on a new wife when you cheat on the old wife. Like my grandma used to say, how you get him is how you lose him. Once a cheater, always. always. Which isn't always true, because I, I cheated on one girlfriend. I won't say which one. Uh, this is years ago. I cheated on her probably 30 different people. It was Maury level cheating. Maury level cheating. And it's because I hate her. I think I, I, I don't know why. I just I, I broke my order. But here's why I don't cheat now. If I have a committed relationship, banging a ring, and you think it don't count. But it was so easy to cheat on on this young lady. I lost respect for her, so I couldn't because I lost Are you really blaming her? Yes. Oh. Because <laughs> it's like, how do you not know? You're making me cheat on you. You love me too much. You're smothering me. No, but dude, it was like, how do you not know I'm doing this on the side? This is I, you're assaulting my intelligence because you have no intelligence. God, I hope Daryl's not wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I, I've cheated on any girlfriend prior or after that because uh, I mean, I, I, it's not who I am. So it every person doesn't cheat. So I don't believe once a cheater, always a cheater. I was a cheater in that one scenario, and, 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 and now I'll never do it again. Hmm. But yeah, so this is actually a topic for a whole a whole other podcast too. Cause uh, yeah, but I'm I'm gonna say it anyway. So uh, ladies out there, you're listening. I just want to say this. So 
I'm glad that Kevin Hart's wife took him back, and Beyonce took back Hov. Because these women are some of the most beautiful, rich women on, on the in the world. And guess what? Their men still cheated on them. So what do you think will happen to you? So so just let it be. If you get cheated on, like Paul said, Paul, let it be. Yep. Let it be. And Paul had to pay all that alimony. As Paul McCartney, the Lord's gonna stop me. Yeah, best topic for like number time. And maybe I think this is a this is a, a, a Easter egg too. Cause it makes Daryl stop listening for all the past stuff. All right, we are out of this bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to True Stories Based on Fiction. I'm your host, Randy. With me, as always, is Brian and Evan. Guys? Hello? Shit. My light. Where the fuck is everybody? God fucking damn it. Supposed to God do this goddamn interview and nobody's fucking here. Oh shit. Fuck. We were doing it Eastern time, not Central time. Oh well. I'm sure it was good anyway. <laughs> 